Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of Life Beyond the Numbers and this episode is going out on the last Saturday of 2023, so Saturday, December 30th and it seems like the perfect opportunity to reflect on the year gone by and to invite into this episode some quotes and snippets from some of the episodes that went out during this year. This year there were 40 episodes so we've gone from episode 116 in January all the way to this episode which is 156. I tend to put out episodes on a weekly basis but that didn't happen in 2023 for a variety of reasons which I'll reflect on a bit later. And 14 of those episodes were solo episodes. And again, I'll reflect a little bit on why that was later in this episode. And something I've noticed over the years of hosting this podcast is oftentimes the episodes have almost been like a mirror for what was going on in my life or perhaps stepping stones towards something that was about to happen. And I guess 2023 was no different really. And in fact, the first episode that went out this year, episode 116, was called Challenges. And this episode was called Challenges for a fun reason. They were special challenges. I started 10 years ago using my birthday as an excuse to think of the number and plan something around that number. So every year for my birthday, I do something that is related to the number of years that I am turning. And because this year is my 40th, I wanted to go all out and see what could be an epic way to celebrate my 40 slash not think about the fact that I'm turning 40 or that I'm 40 already, I keep forgetting that I'm 40. <laughs> so 
all year I've been celebrating my 40th birthday with 40 challenges with 40 friends and family members. It's an important component that it was about doing it with someone else, with friends. And I actually ask 40 people for them to challenge me. So the rules were it has to be a challenge for you. It has to be a challenge for me. And we both have to do it either physically together or virtually together. I have to say, when I thought about it, I didn't realize how incredible, I mean, the main takeaway for me for the whole year has been spending quality time with all these people. Because as we get older, and also we have a similar career, that means that many of our family members and friends are in different parts around the world. And to spend time with people is very difficult. And it has been incredible to be able to spend a day, a weekend, a week, every single day, connecting with people and having like true quality time. And yeah, so it was an important for me for the challenge that it had to be shared with someone that I care, that I love, that is close to me. And that was an intro there from Diego on what these challenges were about. And I love the way he talks about the importance of spending quality time with people. 2023 was a challenging year in many ways for us, for me, for our family. And people, friends, friendships, and if you've listened to last week's episode about friends, friendships stand out for me and friends from this year more than anything else above all the challenges and it's because of those friendships that the challenges this year were overcome and maybe it isn't necessarily even overcome but that there was always someone there there's always someone there when you need them and no matter how challenging life is until you let other people in who can help carry the load with you and who are willing to share in what's going on in your life, whether that's just an ear to listen to you or a shoulder to cry on or a hug, that, yeah, we can get through so many things. And I suppose the important point here is don't wait for the challenges. Keep the friendships close and warm. Make sure you stay in touch with those people that fill your life and fulfill your life. And this episode was a very joyful episode, as I've said. And if you haven't listened to it, I do recommend having a listen to Diego talk about his challenges. We didn't go into all 40 of them, but here is just a little snippet to whet your appetite. Many of my challenges are very contradictory because one of my <laughs> challenges was trying 40 new wine grapes, which was a really fun challenge. And challenge here is very loosely used, right? Because it's not uh, that much of a challenge to try 40 different wine grapes. We had one challenge with a friend that we couldn't have any processed sugar all of September. But then I had another challenge, which was having 40 different desserts. <laughs> it was a bit going from one extreme to the other. During the week of January 16th, I recorded two podcast episodes, one with Sam Allen and another with Robbie Swale. And these episodes are 120 and 121. And 
I had no way of knowing at the time how helpful these episodes would be because later that week my mother and aunt were involved in an accident and they spent the next three months in hospital. They're both doing really well now but for a while there things were challenging and I edited these podcast episodes between two trips to Ireland and both of them were so helpful. So I'm just going to play a snippet from each, one where Sam talks about acceptance and Robbie talks about courage. The story I'm telling today is a mixed one, actually. Susan, I'm coming from two different places right now. I'm coming from a crazy house cleaning experience, which is a once in a lifetime thing for me. And also from some news that I received in my family with regards to a family member who has now been diagnosed with cancer. So I'm coming from this double place as we often are in life. And I'm being with both of those things and accepting them both. Which... (laughs) That word acceptance, it's an interesting one because I think a lot of us grapple with how how do we accept something that we don't want it to be like that. To imagine a loved one suffering, being in pain, going through this process is awful. And yet it is a part of life and it's bloody hard to accept. And yet it's really the only option we have. In my case, anyway, what I notice is that when I feel that resistance coming, then just acknowledging it and allowing it to be there is one step on that path towards acceptance. I don't think we accept from one second to the next. I think it's a process, but I do believe a lot of it is softening to our experience. So softening into what's hard, that helps me anyway. Even on a physical level, when we received challenging news, we're often tensing right up. My belly goes really kind of tense and you can sort of feel it physically. And of course that's natural because it's the body trying to protect us (laughs) from harm and stuff and pain. And we do have a choice. We can notice that's there, not try to force it to be different, but just gently allow those muscles to relax a bit more. Just gently allow our minds to take things a bit slowly. Those things help me. The beauty of confidence coming on the other side is that what comes on this side is, in my view, one of the absolute most admirable qualities that humans can ever personify, which is courage, which is acting in the face of fear. There's almost nothing as inspiring you see it in athletes. It's why X Factor was a huge hit, right? Because there were these acts of courage that you could watch. And some of it was the mocking people, but the acts of courage, that was the thing that brought tears to people's eyes about those talent shows. And, And so you get to do that with something you're afraid of. In fact, to do that, you have to be, and then you get to do it. And the more afraid you are, the more evolution of your soul is is available to you. And And the more meaningful it is to you. Absolutely, absolutely. And the more you'll look back on it and feel proud. We never really know what we're capable of until we land into a situation where it's a fight, a fight for life, a fight to get better. And, I don't like to use the word fight, but there's that will, that determination, that human spirit, that courage that Robbie Swale talked about. And that last tiny snippet there from me 
was actually from episode 122, What Matters Most, where I talked about courage and watching my mom and my aunt, or those acts of courage, acting in the face of fear, learning to walk again after being in a hospital bed for a long time, taking that first step. And life is often about taking that first step and then the next one and the next one and the next one. And of course, one of the things for me this year that required a lot of courage was the act of creating a book, of writing a book. It was something I'd never done before. It was something I doubted whether or not I could do. It was something I was absolutely sure I could do (laughs) and everything in between. But it did require an element of courage to put what I was thinking on paper and to keep going, I guess, to keep going with that process step by step. And a lot of the episodes throughout the next few months helped me with that process. People inspired me with the things they talked about in some of the conversations I was able to go a little bit deeper on areas I was thinking about. So some extracts from some of these episodes appear in the book. But given the time of year, this is going out, as I said, at the end of the year, I think about slowing down and I feel it myself as I speak here today. I'm looking forward to slowing down. And maybe for a lot of people, this time of the year isn't about slowing down. Maybe January is. I think it's interesting to reflect on what does it mean to slow down? And who better to do that with us than Professor Gianna Eckhart, who studies and researches people's desire to slow down. Gianna, this is something you research people's desire to slow down. Yes, and I think it's a really important trend in the world today, but beyond just a trend, something that uh, really illustrates that people want to change their lifestyles. I think all of us can relate to the idea of being time poor, whether it's in our work life or our personal life, and thinking about ways in which to live, which aren't so stressful and where you don't feel time poor, is becoming more and more important in people's lives. What does it involve slowing down? I mean, it sounds obvious, but the world doesn't really enable a lot of slowing down. Everything is trying to get us to be faster, I think. Oh, absolutely. But actually, what we found in our research is that to slow down and really get the mental and physical benefits that come from it, it entails three different elements. So the first one is embodied deceleration. This is basically the body itself slowing down. When your body slows down, your mind slows down. So engaging in activities like walking as compared to faster forms of transportation or doing yoga or things that really slow down the body are important, but it's active things that slow down the body. In other words, not just laying on on the sofa, <laughs> which we all like to do at the end of a hard day of work, but it's active. The second is technological deceleration. When you hear that, you think, oh, this means not using our devices, right? But what we found in our research is that it's actually 
feeling in control of technology and your devices rather than getting rid of them, which enabled people to really slow down. Like I'm only going to check whatever it is, your email or your social media once before I go to bed at night or something like this and feeling like you really have control over when you're engaging with what via technology. That was the really important part to being able to successfully physically and mentally slow down. And then the final component of it is what we call episodic deceleration. So this is basically just engaging in less episodes of action per day. So not doing 15 different things, but rather focusing on one thing. And an element of this that we discovered was really important was also not having to make as many choices. (laughs) I think we can all relate to this feeling of if you go to prep for lunch and there's 50 different sandwiches and you have to choose one, this is the type of thing that people have to do all the time. And it really contributes to this feeling of being time poor, of having to engage in too many episodes of action. So being able to just focus and also not have to engage in those types of choices constantly was the final component of being able to really slow down. That was from the aptly named Slowing Down, episode 126. And that word embodiment or embodied is a word that I can't remember when I heard it first, but it doesn't feel like that it's that long ago. And it's a word that came up a lot this year. And in episode 127, I talked to Kerry Cullen about what embodiment coaching is. I think embodiment coaching, it's really coming into relationship with somebody in a coaching scenario and It's really enlivening awareness about those resources that are in our body. So enlivening that conversation with our body. And I think it's important to say that we've all got these resources. We're born with these. So this is an innate wisdom that we all have. But I think we can be just going so fast sometimes or caught in that performance paradox that we lose some of that connection or we override some of that connection level of the body sending the messages that actually I need to rest for a while now, I need to sleep or I need to eat even, that sense of of overriding that to try and keep going. And I remember doing work on airlines with cabin crew and they'd quite often really need to go to the toilet, but they'd keep going because they just actually couldn't get the time to be able to do that. So embodiment coaching, how can we bring that natural awareness and relationship back into our body? And we know this simply, even coming back to the breath, when we can deepen the breath, come back to a sense of centre. There's different language around it or having a sense of spaciousness in the body. Let's say we're thinking of a problem. If we're looking at the problem from that kind of faster paced energy and our breathing is more shallow and we're feeling a bit stressed about it, it's going to look very different than when we can actually come back in to just take a breath and just relax back and expand our vision, expand our awareness and look again. So it's those simple strategies of of coming back into our natural way of being, really. 
So there's the resource and I think there's also the wisdom in the body. We read now about the gut, the heart and the head. So if we're in that rushing energy and we're in that head energy and we're disconnected from the body, we're missing out on those messages from the gut and the heart. So it's coming back into that connection that we can hear those whispers from the body of what matters or or what we might want to let go of, (laughs) that we might know at a gut level, but we're overriding that. So it's enlivening that relationship is really what embodiment coaching is about. And then in episode 134, the effervescent Joe Hunter explained how she began to feel like herself again. Well, I think for me, those first five to eight years, I was very much, as most kids are, I loved to play, loved to make stuff up. I was always doing shows and dances, but I was also something I really think of myself then or feel feel myself then being big with lots of ideas and not many edges and sometimes I think I felt like I was a bit too much for people but people enjoyed that joy and energy of me so I tried to keep that but then smooth around down the edges and as I got to school I was relatively clever and good at stuff and so that was really encouraged in me to kind of keep doing the things I was good at and I think the more you're encouraged to do the things you're good at as we are in school, we start to focus on those things and not necessarily the things that we love or we enjoy doing for fun. And although I was someone that kept a lot of creativity around me or certainly kept a lot of arts around me, doing singing, doing dancing, doing drama, what I think I stopped doing was just having a go or experimenting or trying. It all became about being the best at something or being good at something or being perfect at something. And suddenly I found that I was living a life in which I was doing really well and was really, really successful. And it's funny because I wonder how long I might have gone along like that. But basically I had a big breakup. I was in quite a big job and suddenly everything became a bit too much and I became really overwhelmed and stressed. I started to have panic attacks. And when I started to deal with that, I realized how much background anxiety I had just been carrying around through the pursuit of perfection just all the time every day trying to keep all of the balls in the air so that no one would know how much effort I was having to go to (laughs) to do everything and it was so exhausting and draining and I didn't even know that that is what I was doing and did somebody say something to you Joe that helped you uncover that or was it your own personal reflection I think there were a couple of things. Just talking it through and hearing myself say out loud, I think, in therapy was really helpful to be like, oh, yeah, okay, (laughs) this is bonkers. And I read a lot of Brené Brown. Brené Brown's The Gift of Imperfection. I loved and felt like she'd written a book about me and was like, oh, my goodness, this is my life. But also, I think, to me, one of the biggest things that happened was I started thinking about creativity I took this month off work and I did little creative challenges every day I also did a couple of courses that were really transformational and were very much about reconnecting with myself and in that I suddenly rediscovered that a bit of me without the edges the really full of joy like this hugeness of fun and joy and exuberance and love and I thought 
oh, now I feel relaxed. Like now I feel like me again. And so it wasn't about removing the imperfection. It was like just busting out by being so full of love and of, of happiness that I was like, oh yeah, why would I box myself in with that again? And not say I don't do that because <laughs> it's quite a hard thing to unlearn. <laughs> but I think what I really found during that time and through the rediscovery of my creativity I re-found myself. I re-found who I wanted to be in the world. I also could see why people would love me like that. And I think ultimately what I had come to believe was the thing that made me lovable was all the perfect stuff. Whereas actually that's the opposite, really. (laughs) The stuff that people love about me is when I'm not trying to do that. And again, that's something about myself that is hard to unlearn, but it's where I feel happiest, where I remember that for myself. Joe is the founder of 64 million artists and you can sign up for the 2024 January challenge 31 creative prompts over 31 days all designed by different people and communities across the UK so you can join in with people around the world and participate in this creative challenge and see where it leads you. Many of the episodes this year had that common theme for outer development, looking at our inner world, understanding what it is we want, who we are in the world, listening to inner voices, finding ones that are helping us and not hindering us, to expand and elevate our presence in the world. And certainly episode 132 with Katerina Moser on the inner development goals is worth checking out if you haven't listened to that episode. In fact, it's the most popular episode of 2023. And in episode 135, Achim talks about the twin trails. I think the shamans from the Native American people talk about the twin trails, like this whole going inward, going outward, going inward, going outward. And only if we do our inner development, the more we grow internally, we can grow externally, but we can never do the one or the other fully. There's always this lying figure eight of going back and forth. This year, as I said, my schedule was quite disrupted. Earlier in the year, I had paused because of what was going on back home in Ireland and then as I really got into the writing in the summer I stopped doing interviews and recording podcast episodes I didn't have the bandwidth to do everything my focus needed to be on the writing more however I did put out an episode most weeks during the summer to Well, they were like a map of the progress I was making as well for myself. It it was a way of holding myself accountable week on week and also talking about something I had discovered that week. The other thing I did was I had been a member of Toastmasters for a couple of years and I had these speeches lying around and I thought, well, I'll add a speech in each week as a little short story, a little insight into my thinking. So episodes 137 to 142 are that. 
if anyone would like to go back and listen to them, they're always there. And then on September 2nd, I released an episode with Sue Rosen. Now, this was a special episode for me because Sue Rosen featured in episode one of Life Beyond the Numbers. So the very first episode to be released was with Sue. And here we were three years later having a second conversation. It's fantastic to be back. I can't believe that just before you hit record that we were speaking about that it's three years or almost three years since we spoke on your first episode of the podcast. So it's fantastic to be back. Yeah, the title of that episode, episode number one, was Stepping into the Unknown. And I didn't really think about that at the time, but that's absolutely what the podcast was doing too, was stepping into the unknown. (laughs) And I still listen to parts of that episode because there's just so much wisdom in it. And you were so open and honest. It really set me off on a great track. So I'm deeply grateful for that, Sue. Oh, thank you. That's very beautiful of you to say. And while... I might still be stepping into the unknown. Sue and I talked about something different. We talked about the concept of executive presence. Yeah, absolutely. The two words together are often used, but I think they're often not really understood. And so when I started thinking about this topic was because it gets bandied about as a term that to step up into higher levels of leadership, to work at the senior level, to be at the leadership table, the C-suite, all of these things, I would hear people getting feedback. He needs more executive presence. And I think it is a term that can feel nebulous and intangible, which is what started me exploring, well, what does it really mean? And actually, having read lots of definitions, one that really lands with me is that it's around inspiring the confidence of other people in your capabilities and your potential, even or maybe especially when under pressure. It's this ability to stay calm when there's chaos, to bring a level of certainty when we all know that there is no certainty in business or in the world more generally. When we're working in complexity and uncertainty, What is it that we can bring? And this is, I think, which really talks about the presence piece. You know, when you say, look at those two words separately, how do I, as an individual, whether or not I'm an executive, how do I, as an individual, bring my presence to every conversation, to every interaction, whether that is a one-on-one with a direct report or whether that is standing in front of a room full of shareholders? So... It is this piece about being willing to stand up and speak up and be seen, but doing that in such a way that people perceive it as that we are authentic and genuine because that's how we build the trust and the confidence of the other people that we can get stuff done, that we will be able to deliver. So, yeah. In a, I was going to say in a nutshell, I'm not sure that was a nutshell, but that's what I think this is about. And it's worth unpacking a bit because otherwise it is a term that people don't really feel comfortable with. And people would say, well, I kind of know it when I see it. One of the things that I really enjoy about this podcast is 
exploring different themes, well, a variation on a theme, I guess, with guests. And sometimes we talk much more about the inner development. Sometimes we talk about the outer development. We have a mix of work and life, a mix of personal and professional, head and heart. All of these things go into the mix. And for me, that's all about how do we get better workplaces? Because I think the more we're responsible for ourselves, the more we have agency over our own lives, the more we develop internally, the better we can be as colleagues, bosses, direct reports. And the more we will maybe listen and respond to what is really required in a workplace. We often tend to have this one size fits all approach, a checklist that we have, policy. We're often not treated like adults and maybe we don't behave like adults either. The state of our workplaces is a tragedy and there has to be something we can do about it. If not for ourselves, well, yes, for ourselves, but also for the future generations, the people coming after us. I see my nieces and nephews and I hope that by the time they get into a workplace, it's going to look and feel very different. And maybe feel very different is where the emphasis needs to be. And with that, I spoke to a former boss of mine, someone I loved working with, John Fairhurst, and this is what he felt about the future of how our workplaces might be. I do think we need a a broader assessment of what the right kind of way of working with your workforce or working with your staff really looks like we were talking about this before and in some ways i think this shift to remote working the sort of post-covid context on the one hand it's created an incredibly positive environment of sort of flexibility and um the ability to be able to work from different places to engage in in the workplace in a completely different way I, i think a very much recognized as valued by people but I think we all know also, on the other hand, it's created an environment of eight o'clock to six o'clock back-to-back meetings where you can't even go to the toilet in between because the next meeting starts. Even things like your commute time have now become work time, which I guess is part of the flexibility. But for me, a lot of the energy around the workplace is about people and, and being able to engage with and have conversations that are not directly work-related and in a remote work setting, it's much harder to have that interpersonal engagement and to do things around collaboration and to work on innovation. I think it's so much harder in, in a sort of video call context. And for new people, people coming into the organisation, it's harder to get integrated. It's harder to create a career progression. You know, and there's lots of evidence that it's also harder for women as well. And I'm not sure the solution is to make everyone come back to the office five days a week either, which is what some organisations are doing. I think there's so much in the current way of working that is better than the traditional five days a week in the office. But to make it work, it needs the same investment to look at what makes organisations thrive. 
and to understand how people are working together effectively and engaging effectively. Um, so I feel again more important at the moment to do that. I mean, it's me, and maybe it's my middle age. But the global context does also impact on you. And if the news is full of unprecedented heat waves and global warming and uh, the conflict in Ukraine and all, all of this narrative, I think we, 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 we've got to sort of look after ourselves. And given that we spend you know, the vast majority of our life working, I think organisations need to look after the people if they want to be successful because whether they like it or not we're all working in that kind of global context and therefore that, that translates into you know, how we feel at work how do you feel at work do you think about how you feel at work do you think about how you feel These are some of the topics that I explore in my forthcoming book, Leading Beyond the Numbers, How Accounting for Emotions Tips the Balance at Work. And many of these conversations that have snippets in here today, many of the conversations during this year helped me to, as I said at the beginning of this, explore my thinking further to come up with ideas and connecting things, the wisdom that people shared. And I'm eternally grateful as always. And I'd like to thank every single guest who was part of the 2023 year of Life Beyond the Numbers, as well as all of my listeners. Please keep listening. If you feel called, I would love you to write a review on some podcast platform because reviews, you're helping someone. You're helping people find this podcast. And if you get something from it, it's quite likely that other people will too. Because after all, many of us are searching for something that will help us to think more clearly, to explore, to relate to others. And before we go, I would like to leave you with one final clip from episode 122, What Matters Most. And this was a deeply personal episode where I looked back on all that happened, as I said, in the first quarter of this year and drew out some lessons, some gold, some insights, because there always is something for us to learn. To sum up the episode for today, I would say life changes in an instant. You never know what the next moment is going to bring you. You never know the impact of something you're doing in a moment. There's a lot we can learn from people who overcome the odds, who fly in the face of adversity, who have the courage to take those steps. What's our excuse? What is holding us back? I think that we are all capable. I know it. We're all capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And sometimes it does take a moment like that to see that, to see that actually I can do this. 
And so for me, going forward, I am going to be thinking to myself when I think, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Well, what would M&M do? <laughs> How would M&M cope? And not maybe with that particular or actually just think about M&M and what they've done. They probably would have said a few years ago if something had been in something like this had happened, that they would never have coped. But we can. We are resilient. We are born to survive. We're also born to thrive. So if there's something you really want to do, do it. Do it. You'll find the courage. Take that first step. Be like Eminem and take that first step. Life happens whether we're there or not. The world keeps moving. It's not personal. It is moment by moment. Any moment can be our last, but every moment can make a difference. Go make a difference. Wound yourself by people who love you. Find yourself a community where you feel like you belong, where you feel like you can contribute, where, where you listen to people, where people listen to you. Figure out what matters most. Even if when push comes to shove, or in the heat of the moment, you learn that it's something else. Think about it anyway. Start thinking about what matters most. Don't leave it until you have no choice but to think about. And don't forget your sense of humour. <laughs> it's an easy one. It's free. Laugh. Laughter is the best medicine. And yeah, it's light relief. It will lessen the load. It will make your shoulders relax. It will give your belly a massage. There are so much to say about laughter. And then I suppose, finally, never underestimate anybody's potential. That's what I would say. Every single one of us is oozing with things that we can achieve and do. So what's stopping you? Go there, get out, find it, do it. Have courage and look after yourself, yeah? Make sure you're healthy in body, mind and spirit. Know what gives you energy, have plenty of that and surround yourself with people who love you. Life's pretty simple when you think about it. And that's a wrap for 2023. Life's pretty simple when you think about it. Go forth, enjoy 2024, and I hope our paths cross once more. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.